This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. We have now come to a time of scripture reading. Today's scripture reading will be taken from Psalms 90, verses 1 to 17. Auntie Pauline uh, will be reading for us the passage today. You can take this moment to grab your Bibles, or you can follow the passage on the screen. You can find the passage on page 599. I'm reading Psalm 90. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, Return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you. Our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger. Your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. Teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Pastor Andrew will now speak to us God's word. Thanks Pauline for reading today's passage and Jin Hao for leading us, and uh, once again, I want to thank Auntie June for being with us all these years. Uh, when she started, none of the youths were even born, so uh, it's been a long time, and for next year, if the music team, you need a singer or a ukulele player, you know who to look for. Uh, we thank you. We thank God for you. Uh, now, if you have your Bible with you, I, it would be great if you turn to 599, page 599, and uh, we'll be on Psalm 90. But let us first ask God to help us. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have been with us all these years. Well, time passes very quickly. This is the grass springs out and then it withers in a blink of an eye. So it is for us. So as we come to this last day of the year, we pray that you help us to reflect 
and to find assurance and joy and purpose in you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now your watch is ticking as usual. I don't wear one, but if you have one, it's ticking as usual. One second at a time. It's not faster. It's not slower. The sun rises as it's always been, or is it that the earth is rotating? But today you can see much, but still it is there, rotating as usual. But this morning feels just a little bit different. It just feels a little bit different as we are hours from this turn of the new year to 2024 and 2023 will be history forever. You begin writing 2024 tomorrow. Some of you will forget, but then you'll quickly remember and you'll be 2024. We'll make a difference perhaps in this coming year or will we not? How will you be in this coming year? Now, 31st of December today, it is a special moment worth pausing, taking a deep, reflective breath of gratitude. Or perhaps actually, today may simply pass like any other day because you are too busy. And some of us, I know, right after the second service, we'll be there, bouldering, rock climbing, and then we'll have a party, and then we have the countdown, and then you wake up, you realize it's 10 a.m., 20, 24. Perhaps some of us who are older, you're more reflective, you will take a few minutes before the year-end dinner and just pen down some of your reflections of this year and how 2023 simply vanished. So as I'm speaking, yes, your watch is still ticking the same way that it has always been. Those who have experienced more years in life, you may wonder whether we have really made much difference in this life that we have lived. Perhaps you have. But will it last? Indeed, even in the midst of our busyness today, actually, you and I, you and I really do wish that life counts. Every single one of us. We want our life to count. We want to know that we can make a difference when all is said and done in our life. We want to leave behind some footprints to say that we were once here. The greatest fear, perhaps, is not that Time passed too quickly, but then no one remembers that we even were here. But one thing to live beyond this moment, really, is actually built in your DNA and my DNA. It's always been there, because this is what the Bible tells us, right in Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11. It says this, that God has made everything beautiful in his time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to the end. Now, the Bible tells us that we are built with eternity in mind, but yet we struggle with the meaning in life because we carry a body that is temporal. It doesn't match what our minds know and what our bodies can manage. So this morning, as we stand on the threshold of a new year, I'd like to invite us to Psalm 90. It's the prayer of Moses. In fact, it is one of the oldest writings of the Bible. It is one of timeless passage about time. In fact, this beautiful psalm ends with this promising verse. It says this right at the end, that may the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. And then the cry is to establish the work of our hands. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Wouldn't it be great as we end this year and begin the new to have these words of prayer and assurance 
that may the favor of the Lord our God rest on us and establish the work of our hands. Now, first of all, as we step into Psalm 90, the context is actually pretty essential. There are actually three historical points that we need to know as we come to Psalm 90. First of all, Psalm 90 was written long, long time ago, even before David. It was written by Moses, and when Moses first led God's people in this prayer, they were experiencing this great discouragement. Perhaps Israel was already rescued from Egypt. They've gone to the wilderness, but they just couldn't enter the promised land because they rebelled against God. Perhaps Moses was leading a new generation to sing this prayer because that generation that is before them have all died in the wilderness. And Moses was already an old man. It's a prayer that they may live lives that really count, that they may actually dwell in God's promised land. Now, Psalm 90 is then put into the Psalms. It is the first Psalm in Book 4 of the whole Psalter. And around the context of Book 4 is the time of the Babylonian exile, meaning that at that time, the Israelites, the northern kingdom, have been totally destroyed. The southern kingdom, Judah, is being put into exile. And through this time, the prophets tell them, it is not that your enemies are strong, but because you have rebelled against God and God's judgment is on you. So this put in the context of Psalm um, 90 in book 4 of the whole Psalter, it's a time where the people were away from the promised land and they are singing and praying and longing to be back in God's promised land. And finally, it is you and I. Now we are sitting here holding this very good uh, printed paper, not a scroll, not a parchment. It is Psalm 90 and we read as people in the New Testament and you and I, we too are waiting for God's eternal promise that we will enter the promised land that God has given us uh, in, 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 in the Bible. In fact, the promised eternal kingdom. So as the calendar flipped to another year for you, for me, we do not want to simply live and then time passes us. Rather, we too want to be remembered that the works of our hands really has a longer imprint than writing on the sand at the beach. We too long for God's eternal kingdom and His works to be established, and our works to be established in our lifetime. So, as you enter Psalm 90, it has four movements. As we think about our time, as we think about uh, this flip of the year. There, are, there are four uh, movements here. The first is uh, from verses one to two. It is about acknowledging that God is eternal. We'll look at it in verses three to six. It helps us to recognize that really we are. Temporal, verses 7 to 12, is knowing our grievous reality right now. And finally, at the end, from verses 13 to 17, it is a longing for this new reality even today. Okay, so I will invite you to join me and, and Moses or the psalmist who puts this into Psalm 90 as we um, look at this passage of time. So, Verses 1 to 2 is about acknowledging that God is eternal. So this psalm, if you have it in your hand, it begins with Moses uttering that God has always been the dwelling place of his people. He says this, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. With the Israelites, the psalmist acknowledged that it is not Egypt, 
It is not even Babylon that they would settle as their home. Instead, their home had always been God's presence. It is spoken to people and prayed by people who are not really in God's presence yet. Or they've been away. Instead of their home, it has always been God who is their presence. So speaking of God's, on behalf of God's people, the psalmist acknowledged God has always been their home from generation to generation, from the time of Adam to Abraham to Moses, even to us. Right now, that God was and is our place of refuge, our place of rest, our place of safety, our place of purpose, that God is home. So Moses acknowledged that God is eternal. He existed before the ancient creation. Even the mountains, the oldest you can think around us, were even born. Now this feeling of home can really be subjective. Uh, perhaps some of us have traveled to many different countries or places for, for, for holidays, for studies, for work. And we've been there for many, many years, for so long that sometimes we feel a bit uncertain where really is home. Because one place feels like home, the other feels like home. Or some of us may even ask our friends who are foreign uh, workers or domestic helpers or just colleagues from other countries, um, where's home to you? And if they have been in Singapore for decades, you find that actually Singapore feels like home. Singlish feels natural. Where is home? For some of them, Singapore is home. For us, Perhaps another place is home. The same could be said of Israel when they had lived in Egypt for the longest time. They have lived in wilderness from the time they were born. Or they were in Babylon for all those years. Where really is home? They have gotten used to the different story and different culture and different life. Perhaps they have adopted different idols. The kind of mix of idols, mix of worshipping of different gods. Where really is home? They feel where I'm comfortable is this the the presence, culture, what I feel is what it is. So where I feel at home is where home is. But Moses' prayer reminded them and us that eternal God is home. It's the dwelling place for all generations because he existed even before the mountains were born and he cared for us. It was not God who moved away, really, Moses says. It is the people of God who has turned away and feel that God is not there, but God is. So like the Israelites who might have gotten comfortable with Egypt, with the desert, or even Babylon, you and I, we, we too can get too comfortable in our world, living its ways, worshipping perhaps the practical gods we call work or family or friends or fame or sex or money. We think God is strange and distant, but he has never left. He's always been there in the whole span of time. To think God is strange, but he's dead. Reality is God has washed over and sustained his creation and all of us all through the generations. We are the ones who may have forgotten that is the case. So Moses' prayer first acknowledges on behalf of God's people that God is our dwelling place. So friends, to, to live well as we think about this turn of the year, it is essential to acknowledge that the eternal God who exists before the mountains really is our dwelling place. And as we move to the second movement of Psalm 90, we're reminded to recognize that we are really very temporal. So this is the second movement to realize that with our rebellion comes our mortality. Our rebellion comes our mortality. 
Moses reminded everyone that our clock is ticking when we are away from God. He says in verse 3, You turn people back to dust, saying, Return to dust, you mortals. Return to dust, you mortals. Now, while we have eternity in mind, we have this flitting body that becomes dust very quickly. Now, I have an uncle who passed away just last week, and my cousin sent me a, a text this week with, with the picture of the, where the urn is placed in All Saints Memorial just down the road. And after that, she just sends me a few more. I say, and so is this other uncle, and so this is other uncle, and this is your, your grandma, like that kind of neighbors at All Saints. The ashes or their dust, and realize, yeah, I, I ate with these people all the time, and maybe if they have space, I'll, I'll get one there as well. Um, some of you earlier than me, and sometimes I'll be earlier than you. Meanwhile, as we look at the passage, Moses then says, But for God, a thousand years is but a flip of a day, he says. In fact, it's more than a flip of a day, it's just a watch of the night. What is a watch of the night? Actually, in the ancient time, a watch of the night is not even a night. It's, it's, it's the kind of military term. They have a few watches to make sure that the city is well. It's kind of just like your few hours in a flip of a turn that is a thousand years to God. And that is many, many generations for us. Now, dear friends, our own generation, or our own obse- general observation, may not always be true, but our op- general observation is this. If you, if you think about it, children, they can't wait to grow up. When they're young, they can't grow up, they grumble, the parents are too restrictive, wait till I grow up. And then the, the younger people, we have no time to think about time because we are too busy enjoying time or living time or working. We don't really have time to think about time. But the older people, the elderly, they know that the time is ticking and it seems to be ticking too fast. I don't know if that is your observation, but it seems to be a general observation as we look around. As we stand on this threshold of a new year, how many of us are too busy to recognize that our time are really very temporal? Or how many of us actually fear that our time is ticking way too fast and we have no idea how to just pause that time because it seems to be ticking faster and faster and faster for us? Now, an old pastor nearing his 90s back then, many years back, he said this. He said, life is so short that the wood of our cradle rubs against the wood of our casket. You know what I'm saying? Like if you put a baby and a dead body, they kind of share the same kind of piece of wood because they just rub there and, and they're next to each other. It's kind of a scary thought, but it is true for someone who says it at his 90s. Now, dear friends, to live well, we need to move from a blissful denial of our mortality because we have strength to recognize how temporal our lives are. But more importantly, we need to know who really holds time. And that's what Moses wants us to know. He says in verse 5, God, you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but evening it dries up and wither. Now since the first human rebelled against God, death has become our reality. It's like the new grass on the morning, evening quickly arrives and we expire. Or, or like the bread you buy in the supermarket, you have this expiry date, and uh, it quickly turns green and moldy if you forget to take it out over the weekend from your school bag. You know, like, forgot about it. And then when on Monday you realize oh, how moldy and how green it has become, and that is life. Right, another pastor, the late John Chapman, uh, he said this 
more than a decade ago, and he's gone to be with the Lord uh, more than a decade ago. He, he wrote this, uh, he said this, uh, let me quote you what he said back then. He said, life in a retirement village was a new experience for me. The paper man comes every morning at 4.30 a.m., but the ambulance comes at 9.15 a.m. Sometimes it brings people home, but not always. Your mortality presses in. If there is life after death, he says, is it possible to make the most of it? Is it possible to prepare for life, that life, or is it totally a matter of chance? Now, dear friends, in this short temporal life, is your clock still ticking? It is the same as before. Is it really possible to make our life count? To experience life to the max or to make really a dent in history? But we can barely explore the full meaning of life or make a scuff mark that lasts in the light of eternity that God placed in our hearts. We can make some marks, but can you really make a scarf if our mind thinks of eternity as the true timeline? The first two movements of Psalm 90 tells us that the only way to reconcile or the only way to reconcile eternity and our temporal fleeting life is to acknowledge that God is eternal and then to also know that we are temporal. And then this is where God will bring us in this fourth and final movement within the psalm. But before that, we need to come to something that Moses wants us to know in this third movement of what we are currently facing. So we come to this third movement, which is from verse 7 to 12. It's about knowing our grievous reality. And that's what verse 7 goes on. Let me read this to us. It says, We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins, in the light of your presence. Now, the psalmist, he leads God's people to know that because of our sin, we are always before this righteous judgment of God. God sees our sin, be it the public sin, or be it the secret ones that are residing right now in our hearts. It is a frightening thing to be confronted by the reality that God really sees and really hears and really knows everything about us. All our public sin, our secret deviation and sins, now, many prefer to, to imagine that there's no God because that's an easier way to deal with life. To deal with the reality that there is a God who is all-knowing, all-powerful, all-righteous because that is very unsettling and that is very frightening. Now, the Israelites in Moses' time, they were well aware of God's consuming fire. They saw God's judgment through the templates in Egypt. They saw their parents fall in the desert Earlier generations saw the untaming waves of the Red Sea, the dreadful deaths in the wilderness. That later part in the second segment when it's in the Psalms itself, the Psalter, the people who sing it knows of God's wrath when the northern kingdom, Israel, was totally destroyed. Ten tribes destroyed. Two tribes exiled. And they knew God's wrath. How about us in, in, in our history? How do we feel God's wrath? Well, verse 7, it speaks of uh, the Israelites 
40 years in the wilderness, but his words, Moses' words, really is for you and for me as well, because the eternal God's wrath is ever before the sins of every generation. This is what Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13 says. Let me read this to us. Hebrews 4, 13 says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. My friends, what does God's anger look like for us? Well, the final judgment is yet to come, but verse 9 of Psalm 90, it reveals this, that all our lives will always end with a moan. No one shouts, yes, on his final breath. I, I don't know, have you been to a hospital recently? I, 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 I don't hear that as the last word anyone and it wouldn't be yours. Indeed, we may have some beautiful days in this short life. We do. Some of us do. A graduation, a holiday, a promotion, achievement, making some difference. A romantic encounter, a wedding, yours or your children's, a baby's birth, your birthday, or you just go on holiday and this breathtaking view of nature. There are times when life is beautiful. But yet... Even our best days, they just don't fully satisfy us enough. Because it doesn't last. It doesn't stay. And if you have a mind of eternity, you find that you want to grab them and they just become missed. And that doesn't make you fully happy. No, living under the tyranny of time of 70 years, it says here, or 80, is a painful reminder of Genesis 3 that we're all living under God's anger. Now, if God's people had understood verse 11 to know God's wrath, there would not be 40 years of wilderness in Moses' time. There wouldn't be that 70 years of exile in Babylon. There wouldn't be that many years and times and moments in your life and my life where we feel that it was a wasted moment. To know the reality of time is meant to turn us back to God and then we pray that famous verse 12. You know this verse. It's famous. It says, Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Now, dear friends, to live well as a Christian, we find our reality not in reading the endless news or scrolling the reels on our phones. Perhaps even right now, to live well as Christians, we, we find rest and we find eternal reality in God, in His words. Because not all words that we read are created equal. Some words are worth a lot. Some, worth, some words don't really worth much. The Bible tells us grass withers and flowers fall in Isaiah 40 verse 8. But the word of the Lord endures forever. The word of the Lord is like him who lasts through all generations even as one falls after the other. The cycle of news we read every day is really not that important in the scheme of your eternity in this in your mind. We should choose carefully how we spend our time because it ticks and ticks and ticks. We should choose to spend time carefully in God's word. Moses said, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. No, the way God teaches us to number our days and gain a heart of wisdom is not reading all the bad news in the papers, but reading God's good news of how to make temporal eternal. But the ultimate author of life is eternal. So for those of us who are still young, if you feel young, that's good enough. 
If any of us who feel that we are young, be careful how we spend our days. Don't think that we have too much time to spend. Choose wisely who or what we give our lives to because not everything is worth your life. But for those of us who are feeling kind of older or physically older this morning as you woke up in cold weather, your arthritis is putting on you, be careful of spiritual drifting. Spiritual drifting is when we start to lose our first love and we start to become very grouchy. Some days I feel like it, my wife looks at me, says, what's up? (laughs) Be careful of all kinds of temptation because no one is immune to temptations until we return to our eternal home. We must be careful of creeping doubts because it comes when you're older and you start to doubt many things and we start to forget God's goodness when spiritual amnesia comes before the real amnesia. And the way to live well is to come to God's word and that is how we know and keep in touch with eternal reality. So finally, it brings us through this three movement in the Psalms and God is eternal, we are temporal, we live under grievous weight of sin. The psalmist finally brings us to this cry for a new reality. That's the last movement here from 13 to 17. And so let's look at this in itself. Okay, in verse 13, let me read, in fact, 13 to 16 for us. If you have your Bible, flip it open. Let me read to you. It says this, Relent, Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servant. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have sinned, trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servant, your splendor to their children. No, there's this consistent incongruence in our world. There's this consistent incongruence in our world because we always demand justice when wickedness happens. But we always demand or request mercy when we are the one who commits it. We demand justice whenever we look around, but we long for grace and mercy when we make mistakes. But that is the reality of God's people. That is our reality. When we see how deeply depraved we are, that we pray this prayer that Moses did, we plead for mercy. We are aware how pride can quickly come in even as we try to be sincerely humble. Pride just sips in when someone says, hey, you're such a humble person. You're doing such a good job. You kind of, yeah, sorry, Lord. Right? I remember um, one of these moments in my teenage years when I was in Canada. Uh, no, I went down to Minnesota and there was this conference for Jonathan Edwards 200 years and we have Jack Packer there. So Packer was really old, he was like hunchback, and when he stood up, and before he could speak, the whole congregation stood up, and they were clapping and thanking him, and it was a bit too long. It was longer than it should. He was there, uncomfortable, when everyone was still clapping, he said this, Lord, sorry that I really enjoyed this. You get what he said? In the midst of people praising him for his humility and his good work, he says, God, sorry that I'm actually enjoying this. Because they are meant to praise you, but I'm enjoying this praise. So how do we plead for mercy? Now in verses 13 to 17, Moses taught God's people to plead. They plead upon their covenantal relationship with God. They plead upon relationship, not on what they have done. To cry to God to relent from the punishment they deserve. 
No, for Moses and his Israelites, they will plead that God did promise that he will go with them into the promised land. So they plead in the wilderness that God, you will bring us there. For the Israelites who are in the exile in Babylon, they, they plead that God has promised a king and it will, kingdom will never end and they plead that one day we will go back to the promised land. So they make this plea. How about you and I? Who will lead us to actually pray 13 to 17? Because we are not with Moses. We are not the Israelites in Babylon. Who will we ask uh, to pray and lead us in this? Well, to satisfy us with his unfailing love, to sing the joy and be glad to know the great deeds of God. Who can be like that Moses that can lead God's people into the promised land? Well, there is only one that you and I really know. There is only one who can do it. The one who is greater than Moses, who is greater than King David. The one whose last breath was not a sigh. His last breath was, it is finished. It is finished. And because of that, we too can cry out to God that you are our Father. A blessing that we have this choir master who will lead us in this. Yes, we know the one who can lead us to pray and sing, who can lead us to cry to God despite the relentless sin and grant us compassion. The psalmist is our King Jesus because Jesus knew God is eternal. We are not, so he came in flesh. Jesus knew that death was coming to us because of the cup of God's wrath, and so he drank that cup for us. And so we come under the choir master of King Jesus, and we pray this prayer in confidence because of his work. And so we sing these words and pray these words in verse 13. Relent, Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servant, satisfy us even today in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. So dear brothers and sisters, as we wrap up, our greatest burden is always our sin against God. Yet we can sing for joy and be glad because King Jesus removed that consequence of sin from us for himself. So death could no longer rob us of eternal life. And because of God's promise, we have this future to live for. So Christians, all we have fragile temporal bodies now. The clock is still ticking and it's going to tick to morning tea soon. But we also have this eternal gospel that can turn what is temporal in our time for eternity. The Bible calls us, I call this the treasures in jars of clay. Eternity being held by temporal things. And this is where 1617 becomes the climax of how you and I can live well as Christians, to live permanent mark that the waves of time can never wash away. So with the burden of our sins removed from our shoulders, we can now call ourselves God's servant. We can proclaim the gospel of salvation to the next generation, like verse 16. May your deeds be shown to your servants, and now may your splendor be to our children, to the next generations. So as we stand on this threshold of a new year coming, we can do more than just scuff on the wet sand of life. We can write in the sky of eternity. And this is how we do it. There is this one pen that writes with eternal ink, and it is the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you have the gospel, you have the pen to write eternal inks on the eternal sky. We can encourage each other 
and the next generation church to persevere in this new generation. Perhaps you can read a Bible to a young child that he or she may hear about God who loves them, eventually trust in Jesus, and that temporal becomes eternal. We can speak gospel encouragement to a Christian struggling in health, in faith, in life, in a hospital, remembering to preach the same gospel to ourselves as we preach the gospel to each other, that that life becomes script in eternal ink. And we can tell the good news to someone who has never known God or our King, tell them his life, his death, his resurrection, his return, and his promise of forgiveness and eternal life. And as we do that, and all the other things, as you take that pen in your life and writes it wherever you are, those temporal becomes eternal. And then we say this final verse in 17 together, that may the favor of the Lord our God rest on us, establish the work of our hands for us, establish the work of our hands. Why don't we pray together? Lord, you have been our dwelling place through all generations. Help us to finish well. You are everlasting and we are made of dust. But in King Jesus, let us not be blown away, but be raised from death to life. A thousand years in your sight are like a day just gone by. But in our King Jesus, let us live many of such days in the future. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. But please forgive us. We plead only by the death of our King, for we cannot bear your wrath. Teach us the number of days while it is called today. Grant us a heart of wisdom now while our hearts are still beating. Make us glad for as many days as you have prepared them with your mercy. You have made your gospel known to us. Please help me and help us to write them for the next generation. Lord God, may your favor rest on us and establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, uh, thank you for the sermon, Pastor. So, uh, actually, we are supposed to have some time for reflection and discussions. Uh, but in view of time, uh, we do not have. Uh, we'll just, I'll just flash out this reflections questions on the screen. You may can take a photo of it. And then uh, later during um, lunch, uh, what lunch? During welcome tea, uh, you all can uh, discuss uh, the questions uh, with one another. So first, uh, what reflections do you have for 2023? And what would you pray for as you stand on the threshold of a new year? And second, what has impacted you as you read this Psalm of Moses? Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at busypc.sg.